the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Week 7 betting preview where we talk about our favorite totals teasers underdogs and of course we build our weekly sunday six-pack of against the spread bets with the help of my co-host the prime minister of degenerate nation stucky stuck what's going on brother another good weekend in the books they won't all be good but i think on the show and i think everything i bet was just on the show i think it was six and two two and one six-pack we both hit our teasers. We both hit our totals. We hit our money line underdog parlay oh, yeah. again. And yeah, I went two and one in the six pack. I know you got shafted on two of the worst beats of the weekend <laughs> with the Saints, the Saints and the Jags. Just uh, brutal. But my one loss was the Dolphins. Happy with happy happy with the play. It's weird. I bet on a backup and the backup gets hurt. And then the like like I don't know how that works. <laughs> but the, you know, the Dolphins held held the Vikings to, until a late run to like 220 yards. And that Waddle fumble at the end was just absolutely killer. I also played the Ravens or my other loss would, would play them again. I mean, at seven yards per play at a 3.9, you know, and they blew another lead. We'll talk about them later in the show, but happy with the overall weekend. And uh, I know you've been rolling as well. So hopefully we can all keep rolling and just uh, keep finding winners and breaking down these games for all of our uh, loyal listeners. Yes, sir. Let's get to it. A uh, quick heads up to our listeners. The NBA is back, and that means the return of Buckets Action Network's basketball betting podcast with new episodes every weekday this NBA season. So if you want to bet some hoops like our famous NBA fanatic Stucky, check out Buckets, hosted by Action NBA experts like Matt Moore, Jay Money, Sean Little, and Brandon Anderson. All right, time to talk some Thursday night football. So let's get it started with some Saints Cardinals. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. So we got the Saints going to Arizona here. Two and a half point underdogs are the Saints. The total is 43 and a half. The Cardinals are getting DeAndre Hopkins back which is, I mean, just from a statistical standpoint, massive. I mean, their point differential swings about 15 points uh, in games he's played versus games he's missed. So, you know, that's obviously big, but we don't know exactly how long he's going to play. And the Saints are banged up as well at wide receiver. No Michael Thomas, no Jarvis Landry. What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, uh, this is – yeah, it's ugly. I mean, there's injury concerns on both sides. You mentioned offensive line for Cardinals – receivers for the saints you know Lattimore. yeah there's just you know marquise brown is out hopkins is in like what do you expect from hopkins like i, I don't know it's a it's a weird situation is he going to get like full run he also hasn't played like in a year like he didn't yeah. play at the and end he of wasn't last great. year too. Uh, he wasn't as good as he used to be like that last year but uh cliff said we'll see when he you know hopkins is pushing to play like every snap and cliff is like you know it's kind of hard when guys come back so 
I'm guessing it'll be more in that, you know, like 75, 80% snap range. Like they'll probably get him out for some run blocking snaps or some snaps where, uh, you know, they have some like gadget play for Rondell Moore, which they're going to have like six times per game. So uh, that's what I'm kind of expecting. Maybe like 75, 80%. Yeah. I mean, when there is a healthy Hopkins historically, I mean, Kyler Murray for what it's worth is eight and two with Hopkins, 19 touchdowns, nine interceptions averages about 280 yards passing per game without him. He's three and seven. Um, he's also completing 8% fewer passes, 238 yards per game, 11 touchdowns, six interceptions. So it's, it's, it's important if he's fully healthy, which we don't know, but look, I mean, this, this, this Arizona team is a, a mess. The worst thing is I don't know what they do during the week. They continue to come out and go down big early on. They are getting outscored in the first half, 89 to 29, including 41 to three in the first quarter on the year. They're averaging 1.7 points per game on their first three drives combined. It's the worst in the NFL by far. Uh, and then they, you know, then they sometimes pick it up in the second half. They didn't even do that last week against Seattle's defense. The offensive line is a mess. The play calling is a mess. And I, yeah, I just, I, I can't trust this team. They've also been bad at home um, historically. So, you know, it's a, a short week, but both teams are like traveling. So I don't think it's an, an advantage. It's not like I trust Cliff Kingsbury to have an advantage on a short week. So, you know, I think this is a perfect spot to tease the Saints. Um, low total, tease them up over eight or seven, just anything over a touchdown. I personally tease them with Zappy Hour. Hopefully he starts over Mac Jones, but regardless, would like teasing the Patriots down under three. That's how I approach this. For what it's worth, unders have been killing it overall and on Thursday nights. The unders are now 57 and 37 on the year, 60 and a half percent. That's the best start through six weeks since 1994. They were actually 65% in 1991. And underdogs are 55, 38, and one. They're killing it as well, which makes sense. Lower scoring games, underdogs are covering more often, harder to build margin in the scoring environment. What is the culprit? Well, a lot of it is these, uh, you know, cover two, a lot of let's prevent the explosive plays. And if you look at the big plays so far this year, pass plays over 20 yards. Pass plays over 30 yards. They are down significantly across the board. Uh, there's also some bad quarterback play, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I I would lean. I make this a coin flip game. So, you know, two and a half, I would lean Saints. And they've been playing well with Dalton, even though, even without the weapons. He's been like an average, you know, an average quarterback if you look for EPA per play. And uh, so I would lean them at, at two and a half. If I got three, I would play the Saints. I doubt it gets there. So I think the play here is uh, teasing the Saints up over a touchdown. If you need a partner, we'll talk about some on Sunday later in the show. But I, I actually did a Thursday night, Monday night, six-point teaser. Yeah, I have it as a coin flip as well. I, I think there's a couple of ways you could play this. One, you kind of mentioned it with the under. Uh, I have this total around 43, which I, I guess I'm about a point, point and a half lower than the market. Well, maybe a half a point at some spots lower than the market. Uh, for that exact reason, I think, you know – the Cardinals offense has been struggling and maybe it gets better, but I look at their defense and it's, it's surviving. It's like hanging in there. They're really good at limiting passes to the outside and to wide receivers, which I didn't expect. Uh, Byron Murphy is actually playing pretty well. So, you know, primetime unders down at least one and a half points, which uh, this one is 70 and 43, 62%. Uh, since 2015, so that's a 19% ROI. Uh, and then you talked about the first half and, and and just coming out slow for Arizona, which 
obviously contributes to the under. So here's a crazy one. Cliff Kingsbury in the first half is 7-19 and 19 on the money line at home in his career. 7-19 and 19 with one push. Now, when he's a favorite on the money line at home in the first half, he is 5-9-1. and one. The Saints are plus 115. So you could play the Saints at plus money. That's been winning almost two out of every three times. So love that as well. I think you could kind of do that if you don't, if we don't get the three. I would say my one pushback on you on that is that Mm -hmm. the Cardinals clearly don't prepare. So having a short week would actually (laughs) help them because the other team gets less preparation time, baby. Uh, oh just, man, uh, that is a kind of a joke, but kind of not really. <laughs> right? Oh, uh, let's see. Does he ever? Is this? I'm I'm gonna look if it's uh, if there was ever one. He's been Thursday. awful in prime time, so I'm assuming. They, I think they've lost five straight. Him and Kyler on Thursday. You're uh, you're 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 two and zero fading Cliff on the first half money line at home. So nice. yeah, okay. <laughs> Thursday two and zero. Saturday two and zero. So that that short prep is still it's even worse. Essentially, it's undefeated. It's undefeated. You don't lose these bets apparently, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, that Saturday night game, I think, was the Colts disaster. Remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. You were on the, the the Colts on that one, right? Yeah. Kingsbury just botched it that game so many. Like, the Colts were playing with, like, the tight end is, like, their their tackle. They had, like, five offensive linemen out, and it was, it was bad. Cliff is uh, 4-11 and against the spread as a home favorite, so fading him, you're 73% against the spread. I mean, everything kind of points to the Saints. If you check the Action Network app, our, our pro signals – uh, the sharp action is on the Saints. Big money is on the Saints. Uh, this is one of those spots where, um, you know, I think I think playing the Saints in some type of way, like you said, teasing it, you go first half, it gets to, it gets to three, play the three. Um, but uh, that's kind of the way I would approach this one, and uh, we'll get the under as well. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open. The Sunday Six Pack. All right. Uh, you are up 19 to 17. The way we do it, we have a little fun contest with each other where our first two picks count as two points. Uh, our third is a point. The total is a point. That we'll do in the next segment. And then uh, if you sweep the six pack, the three six pack bets, you also get an extra point. So you're up 19 to 17. And your first this week, where are you going? Yeah, for my first pick of the Week 7 Sunday Six Pack presented by FanDuel, I'm going with the Denver Broncos minus one at home over the New York football Jets. I don't care who plays quarterback. I actually kind of <laughs> maybe hope that Brett Rippon plays quarterback. I think his one start, he actually beat the Jets a couple years ago. Yep. But this line coming down to one is all I want. I mean, the look-at line was seven and a half. And look, the Broncos could have won – at the Chargers with historic penalty numbers and Russell Wilson throw for 15 yards in the second half in overtime. He's not adding anything to the offense. I don't know if it's because he's hurt or not, but it can't get any worse with Brett Rippon in there. I will tell you that. So I don't care if Brett Rippon's stuck. It just give me a better line here. Um, I don't think it's going to be some huge upgrade, although he looks fine when he, when he's played, it's, he probably will has a higher risk of turnovers, but uh, Russell Wilson just is, has no command of this offense right now. He's missing wide open guys and his arm strength isn't there. He's missing throws. It just doesn't look comfortable. So whatever, I don't care who plays quarterback. This is a pure 
fade of the Jets. Um, I think the Jets' defense, for what it's worth, is a bit overrated. They're still 23rd in success rate. They're 11th in EPA per play, but look at who they faced. I mean, here are their wins. They beat Brissett by one in a miracle comeback. And what have we seen from the Browns since then? Not, uh, garbage. Mir- miraculous comeback in that game. They beat Trubisky and then Pickett in his NFL debut. And another miraculous comeback, even with Pickett throwing three picks, they needed a miraculous comeback. They were trailing by double digits in both those games against Pickett and Brissett, two backup quarterbacks, and they took the lead on touchdowns in the final 30 seconds. All right, who else did they beat? Another quarterback making their third their NFL debut, this time a third stringer in Skylar Thompson. They did win 40-17, to 17, completely misleading. It was 19-17 in the fourth quarter. Game was even statistically, even with Skylar Thompson playing horribly. And then last week, yeah, they beat the Packers 27 to 10. I graded it as a loss overall. They should have covered. I think I had it as a Packers two and a half point win. Jets scored on two trick plays on offense, a special teams touchdown, and they blocked a field goal. Each team had 278 total yards. Wilson threw for 110 yards, negative 0.4 EPA per draft, drop back. The only quarterback who was worse last week was PJ Walker. And if you look over the last three years, EPA per play, Minimum 75 dropbacks. The two worst, well, the three worst quarterbacks in the league said there's 70 of them. Jake Luton, Zach Wilson, and P.J. Walker. Zach Wilson is P.J. Walker. Joe Flacco's numbers are better than Zach Wilson's this year, and he can't throw. Last week, they got the, you know, Brees Hall's been amazing. They got the feast on arguably the worst run defense in the NFL right now, the Packers. Got a bunch of again plays. Again. Yeah. Like, every um, year, we're like, if they could just improve their run defense, the team would be a lot better. These are two limited offenses. The Broncos have the better defense. The Broncos might have the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they are playing out of their minds. And look, they got Simmons back. You have Sertain, who just takes away one receiver from the game. Now, the about- second corner spot without Darby is a weakness, but it's Zach Wilson. He can't throw the ball. Like It literally doesn't matter. Alex <laughs> Singleton, by the way. Alex Singleton played last week uh, in, in place of Josie Jewell. Like, the Denver depth on defense is insane. Alex Singleton had 21 tackles. Last week, that's the fourth most in NFL history since tackles have been recorded. So Zach Wilson under pressure, which he's going to be all game here, four of 23 on the air for 49 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, a 17% turnover worthy throw rate. So I, yeah, Broncos, this look at them was seven and a half. Broncos arguably could have won at the Chargers. Um, they had a muff punt. They lose in overtime. Okay. They, they still covered it. I think they exceeded expectations. This line drops because Russell Wilson, who everyone's laughing at, might be out. No, I mean, I'm taking the Broncos here. The Jets easily could have zero wins this year. Zero wins. They have all miraculous, you know, fourth quarters. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they should have beat Skylar Thompson. But that game was really close to the fourth quarter, too. So they, should, they could easily have one win. They're not going to be able to run the ball here against Denver. Zach Wilson on the road. I will fade him. There's turnovers coming. Um, this is He's worse than Cooper Rush. Uh, I, will, <laughs> I, would, I would start a franchise with Cooper Rush over Zach Wilson any day of the week. Give me the Broncos minus one at home. Broncos country, ripping country, let's ride. It's called the Danger Witch, and it's dangerously good. Jeez, hmm. that is dangerous. Man, you just stole all my thunder for my, my total later on, because I actually had that same stat written down for Zach Wilson. Four out of 23 really? under pressure. Yeah, three. Unbelievable. A passer rating of three under pressure. I don't mind taking the Broncos here. I, I do think it is more of a toss-up than, than you're alluding to. Because, I mean, you kind of broke it down. The Jets beat a bunch of bad offenses and bad quarterbacks. But this might be the king of them, right? You know, right here in Denver. Like, this team might be worse than all those offenses 
with these quarterbacks. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, but but here's the so, thing: the mm-hmm. biggest difference is the line. Now we're only laying one. You know, and the Jets are starting to get respect in the market, and the Broncos have by far the best defense out of any of those teams. Um, especially with the Packers, you can just run on, and that's all the Jets did. I mean, Wilson threw for a hundred yards. Like it was seven and a half. Look at in altitude, Jets second straight road game. That that's the differentiating factor for me. This line has just come down way too much. One came down to one, and I don't think there's much of a difference between who we see with Russell Wilson today and Brett Rippon. It can't get worse. Listen, I don't think they're as terrible as you're saying they are. I I think they're actually improving like week by week. I think they have a lot of talent, and I think Zach is getting you know a little bit better. But it's you know the pressure. The Jets, I, look, I don't think the Jets are as terrible as I'm saying. I think that in compared to but the, with the yeah, market, the pressure thing, I think they're like improving. It's gonna be like that's that's it though. Like when he's under pressure, it's a wrap. So, like I get it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's uh let's start I'm it sweating. off. Right now, I'm talking about that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got you, you finally defeated Cooper Rush. Now you got to yeah, on to the next target. Quarterback on to the next to. target. Let's go with for my first pick, the second overall pick of the week seven Sunday six pack. We're going to go with the Washington football team plus five and a half at home against the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, the reason I picked the Jets against the Packers last week, I talked about it. Jets could, what could they do on defense? They could rush for, get to the quarterback, get pressure on Rodgers. And I think Washington could do a lot of the same things. Washington uh, is 10th in blitz rate, but they're third in pressure rate. Green Bay is just, the cupboard's kind of bare right here at wide receiver. I mean, you got Alan Lazard playing well, but that hasn't made a difference. And Rodgers, you know, his passer rating, 103 clean, 65 under pressure. And, you know, that's kind of been the story with him. And then this Washington team, they play a lot of man coverage. And uh, Green Bay struggles against man coverage. They're 20th in yards per attempt against man coverage. And uh, Alan Lazard is the only receiver that averages two yards per route run. Randall Cobb was their second best. He was at 1.9, but he's out now. So, uh, you know, Romeo Dobbs hasn't been separating as much against man coverage. And, you know, you just got a whole bunch of tight ends, running backs. That's not going to get the job done. So, uh, I think it's going to be another, you know, kind of slow struggle of a game for for this Green low Bay total. Team. Yeah, they're these, gonna dogs, have to, these dogs have been crushing in these low totals because yeah. points are it's hard to get separation. It, I would never make you know me. I would not make this pick if it was Carson Wentz, but I'm getting Taylor Heineke here. So like now we got a little bit of a you know we could maybe our offense could get more than 93 yards passing because this Green Bay defense. What are they going to do? Like if if they blitz, it's been the same whether you blitz or don't blitz them. So they're fourth in blitz rate. So they could blitz them. Fine. Go ahead. You know, like that's not going to really do anything. And then also Green Bay can't stop the run. Washington is pretty good at stopping the run. Uh, And Washington, you know, Robert Tunyon was a guy who Rodgers started leaning on last week. Uh, He came alive for, uh, what was it, 10 catches? Well, Washington's third in DVOA against tight ends. Uh, They're allowing 29.9 schedule adjusted yards per game to tight ends. Uh, And you've talked about how their run defense has really come on strong. Uh, you know, this last month of the season. I, I know they gave they gave up that big run to Herbert, but they also stuffed him at the one on that drive. So I'll give it a give him a push on that on that one. And uh I just think it's gonna be a struggle for an, for Rodgers facing another team that's top five in pressure rate. The Jets are top five in pressure rate as well. Now Washington does blitz a little more, but uh, you know, 
you don't blitz a ton against Rodgers. No one does. So I still think Washington can be like a top 10-ish pressure team uh, without blitzing because, you know, they their pressure rate is higher than their blitz rate, uh, which is always something you, you look for in these type of matchups. And, uh, yeah, give me the Washington football team here. Taylor Heineke, we can, I'm finally out of Washington football team against the spread jail, uh, betting on Heineke because Wentz is gone. So Washington plus five and a half at home against the pack. Yeah, I actually got the guy. I actually bet the commanders last week and covered somehow. They did not deserve the cover. Um, <laughs> oh, that was a disgusting game. Which made man. up for the goal line, made up for the Tennessee loss when Washington couldn't score at the goal line and Chicago, Chicago couldn't score the goal line. But, but what a mess. Yeah, I, I'm, I always, I love listening out of all the, I listened to all, like all the pressers that I listen to each week. Rogers is my favorite one to listen to because sometimes he's just like a smart ass. And then he'll also tell you some things without telling you some things. And, um, yeah, sometimes he can sound like a dick, but yeah, he's he's not boring. Like some of them are so boring and they just say generic stuff. So I was tweeting out the, right after his press. I was like, he's he just said simplify the offense 25 yep. times. That like yep. I I've I'm I, all it's all I kept saying. All I kept saying, you gotta simplify it. It's like the scheme is great. Now, generally that doesn't lead to better results in the NFL. Now I get why you're saying that there. Like, you know, let's take the motion out. Let's these are young guys, they're not getting separation. But yeah, I, so we'll we'll see what that looks like. But I agree with you on the matchup here that if you simplify the offense, it's like, well, you can't run it. You can't lean on your running game. You're watching fifth in success rate against the run Mm -hmm. seventh EPA per rush on defense. So, and then their weaknesses, you know, they have some weaknesses in the secondary, but like the green Bay is not getting separation against anyone with these receivers. So yeah. And the the offensive line hasn't been playing well. The defense can't stop the run low total home dog here. And and if you look back, so yeah, I, I think it's either. And then the special teams pack has been messed. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's the commanders are nothing here. And I, I went back and looked since 2020 through last week, 52 quarterbacks with at least 250 plays. EP, yeah, completion percentage over expectation plus EPA. Heineke, 35th of 52 quarterbacks. He's in like the Goff, Dan, Daniel Jones range. Wentz, 41st of 52 Thank quarterbacks. Thank you. So he he's like Flacco, Dalton. And then if you go way down – past Flacco Dalton, you'll eventually get to Zach Wilson. So, yeah, Heineke, I think, is a slight upgrade. Absolutely. So. There's a reason. I'm Like, you think I was kidding. I, I will not bet. I refuse to bet on Carson Wentz. Like, that, I've made some stupid bets in my life, and I will continue to. But one thing I will not do is bet on Carson Wentz. It, it does introduce a little more volatility. Like, Wentz is just – he just plays like that normally. But I think Heineke sometimes tries to kind of be that spark. But – yeah, he'll like force a throw to double cover yeah. sometimes or something. But you know, you you could also get boneheaded throws like that from Wentz too. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, overall, it's not a huge difference, but it's a, an improvement. At worst, it's not a it's not a downgrade at all. All right, and uh, before we get into our next pick, we've been really loving this uh, quick swift. A lot of people have been asking us questions about it, so uh, why don't you tell the people uh, exactly what it is and what it can do? Yeah. Shout out to our sponsors, uh, FanDuel. They have uh, awesome new technology. that you can, It's only on the Action app right now. If you go on there, you'll see it right now. So if you have FanDuel, you're in a legal state, which you should and get as many outs as you can. You, you'll go on. You'll see all the lines for a certain bet. And then, you know, you can select a book that you want. And there's now a FanDuel quick slip. If you have a FanDuel account, you just click that and it'll take you right to your FanDuel account. And it'll be preloaded. And then you could just put the amount you want to bet in, hit submit. So, you know, say you're following Chris on his commander's bet for the, you know, he's he's betting the commanders for the first time ever. You're excited. And, you know, you're 
driving or you listen to this late, you're just in a time crunch on the app, you know, or you're on the app scrolling, you say, oh, look, Chris likes the commanders. You see it in the FanDuel quick slip. You don't have to then see Chris likes it, go to your FanDuel account, log in, find the commanders. Like you just click the FanDuel quick slip and then it preloads it, boom, just the amount. And it is so easy and uh, so user-friendly. So make sure you check out that feature. It's just another reason to sync your FanDuel account up with the Action Network app. It just makes everything so much easier and saves time and, and energy and, and wasteless time searching around on sports books for lines. You wouldn't believe how much that comes in handy when, because like sometimes, like I've missed out on like two or three yards on a prop because I had to go and like log into the yeah. book and go scroll and find the actual bet, especially when you're betting props. Like, you know, yeah, you have to click the game. Quick. Right. And, uh, and, and I've lost like 20, 30 cents of juice. I've lost like two, three yards um, doing that. So it's a quick slip is a real time saver. Uh, so make sure you check it out if you have a FanDuel account. All right. Where are you going with your second pick? All right. For my second pick in the third overall of the week seven Sunday six pack. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals minus six at home against the red hot covering machines, the Atlanta Falcons. So this is, I think the Falcons are to me a bit like the jets. And I think that the market has just, we we were finally getting value. I haven't faded the Falcons yet this year. I know you had with the bucks. You should have covered like, let me go through these games. They lost by one to Jameis in week one divisional game, whatever. It was a coin flip game. Then they get a coin flip win over Seattle. They had to come back to win. Coin flip game, win over the Browns. Probably should have lost that game. We're down 28-3 to in the second half to the Rams. Have we seen the Rams lately? That looks a lot worse now. They had a late block punt for a touchdown and just a bunch of fluky stuff late. They were down 21 in the second half to the Bucs before Tampa Bay had secondary injuries. And by the way, the Bucs don't look as good as we thought over the past couple weeks as well. And then one of the most misleading wins of the year over the 49ers who had eight defensive starters out. Uh, they were also outgained. They lost the yards per play. They got a defensive score. And San Francisco, in their final six drives, four of them went into Atlanta territory. They got zero points. So am I taking too much from that game with all the injuries that San Francisco had? Uh, absolutely not. And it was just a, a fluky game in general. So, yeah, and look, now if you look back, like just perception can change. If you look back, it's like, ooh, they covered against the Bucks and Rams. Not granted, they're down three scores and getting blown out. But the Bucks and Rams, it's like, oh, well, it haven't looked that good. And the Browns have been a disaster since. So a lot of these, these results don't look as good as they might have, even though they were kind of fluky. Now, here's from a, um, a matchup perspective. And all the Bengals do is cover somehow every game. They just find ways to cover. I think they're 12-2 and two against the spread in the last 14. Um, the Falcons have potential cluster of injuries in the secondary. And I think Terrell is going to play. He's been bad. I don't know if he's listening to all the hype. But he hasn't been great. And, you know, he was an all-pro last year, and I think he'll be fine. But he hasn't been great. Casey Hayward going on the IR, it's a big loss. He's been playing well for them. And, you know, you had Oliver get nicked up last week, and Terrell was also nicked up. I think they were holding him out for precautionary reasons. But secondary, not at full strength. And that's not great when you don't get pressure. Falcons defense, 1.2% QB Harry rate, 4.1% adjusted sack rate. 12.2% pressure rate, all dead last in the NFL. So already a bad defense. You don't get any pressure, and your secondary isn't at full strength going up against the Bengals offense that we've been questioning. But last week, I loved some of the things they did. Throwing on early downs, uh, some of the formations they were running. I think they might be starting to figure out in the offensive line will only get better, but it doesn't matter. The Falcons get no pressure whatsoever. Um, and for what it's worth, 
The Bengals defense has been pretty good this year. I love some of the adjustments they're making in the second half. So I'm not afraid. I'm not as afraid of like the Falcons sneaking in the back door here. Higher total. So I'm not as worried about laying six here. The Bengals have only allowed 27 points all season in the second half. Nine field goals in six games. It's four and a half points per game. They still haven't allowed a touchdown. So yeah, and the fact even if the even if Zach Taylor, his natural self, he wants to come back out and say I'm going to run it all day with Mixon. The Falcons' run defense is dreadful. So that I think will even work. So yeah, I think this is a great spot to get since he, this look at line was like 10, 10 and a half. It's probably what I would have made it early in the year. Um, I think I'm at like eight, nine. So getting this under seven because of the Falcons, you know, being six now against the spread. Their offense has been better um than many expected, and the offense has been pretty good. But since he should cook here and get enough stops to cover this number at home, I think this is the right time to sell the Falcons who have who have uh a lot of fluky covers in there. I don't like laying those that many points. To play devil's advocate, you know, I've been fading the Fal- Oh, I tried to fade the Falcons looking at, okay, they don't get pressure. But the thing about the Bengals is Joe Burrow brings on his own pressure a lot, right? Like he's, it's not about the defense with Joe Burrow as much, but I, I do agree that this sec- this uh, wide receiving core should have a field day uh, against the Falcons. So it's really going to come down to, can the Falcons shorten the game and go on these like, you know, 15 play drives running football, uh, you know, if they can, it's going to be a long day, but uh, you, you know, you figure at some point they're going to stop covering too. Right. Like that was, that was half of my reasoning betting the bucks against it. It was like this Falcons team, like it's got to end sometime. Um, so yeah, I've it. been, I've been on the Falcons a bunch. And every time I said, wow, that was so lucky. And then I like, so I, I've been watching them closely and they've been getting away with, with murder and then you get some injury luck and, um, you think about the Bucks injuries, they, their whole secondary went down. The 49ers' whole defense was out. So you throw that into the equation as well. Their offensive numbers are a little bit inflated. And this total is higher, one of the higher totals on the board this week, which I agree with. So I'm not as afraid of uh, as laying six. So uh, let's go Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals came roaring back. Uh, all right, for my second pick and a fourth overall of the week, number seven Sunday six-pack presented by FanDuel. I am going with the Seattle Seahawks plus six and a half against the Los Angeles Chargers. And I like this one for a few reasons. Uh, first of all, I think Seattle on offense matches up well here, which, uh, you know, the Chargers are playing the seventh most man coverage. And uh, Seattle – 10.7 yards per target against man cover. That's second best in the league. The Chargers, they also aren't getting much pressure without Joey Bosa. Uh, I know they, you know, got some timely blitzes and uh, on Russell Wilson, but I think that was more of a symptom of the Broncos. They just figured out the Broncos offense, which is not hard to do. Uh, but Geno Smith, when he gets a clean pocket, his passer rating is 115. And even when he gets pressured, it's still 89. So, uh, he has been good across the board. Really hasn't mattered whether you blitz him or not. 106 rating when not blitzed, 113 when blitzed. And then you look at the, you know, these receivers can kind of hang with this Chargers offense. Uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, obviously. But you also got Kenneth Walker, and he's playing really well. And I think he, he gives them another weapon, and it, and it introduces some volatility uh, to this, which is what you want as a dog, because Kenneth Walker is just breaking tackles left and right. Like some of the tackles he was breaking last week, I have no idea how he got out of them. He just kept kept going. And this Charger team, 
the Broncos, this is kind of a symptom of how bad their offense is right now, that they couldn't run the ball against the Chargers. But uh, this Chargers run defense is not very good. It's still 22nd in DVOA. So I think the Seahawks are going to have multiple ways to attack here. And I think they could score some points. You're also getting the Chargers, obviously, on short rest. They don't really have much of a home field advantage to begin with uh, out there in L.A. Uh, you know, looking at the, you know, this Charger team, yes, they're going to get back uh, Keenan Allen, maybe, probably. But uh, on defense, I, I still think there's going to be a lot of issues. You know, J.C. Jackson got benched last week, but now he's going to be back in the lineup. And I don't think that's a good thing, you know, going against uh, Lockett and Metcalf because Jackson's obviously hurt. Like, he's not – he's either hurt or he's just not good in this new, like, scheme – uh, outside of New England, I don't know what it is, but I, I just think or it's just that Belichick gets right. defensive backs to overperform. Yeah, yeah, because Jones, I mean, Jones is playing real well. I think he's the number one graded corner uh, as a yeah. rookie, which is crazy. But yeah, I'm just trying to catch uh, catch the Chargers here, uh, coming off the short rest with a team that's going to put up put up some points here. And uh, you know, Chargers, you know, they really haven't been dominant. You know, we all love their roster heading into the season. We're like, yo, this is one of the best rosters in the league. I know that they've lost a lot of guys to in, like a lot of high end guys to injury that, you know, many of them are either still out or at less than a hundred percent, but this charter team, they only have one win uh, by more than five points. And that was a 34, 24 win against the Houston Texans where the Texans were right in that game at 27, 24. Uh, and then, you know, the Chargers needed a late Austin Eckler touchdown with just over two minutes to go to pull away and get the, uh, you know, the double digit win. So uh, I don't see this Charger team blowing, blowing the Seahawks out. And I think the Seahawks have a, are a live dog here. I think they could, I think they could score some points in this matchup, especially with the Chargers uh, on short rest. Yeah. I'd be a little worried about the Seahawks defense, especially if they keep it on Lindsley and, and, and uh, well, Pipkins is limited to their offensive line is just a mess. And then if Keenan Allen can go full, he's just really important as just like a possession receiver. Uh, takes the heat off Mike Williams and the, the Seahawks defense is is really bad. It's, but I never mind taking points against the Chargers. I, I every time I watch a Chargers game, I'm convinced we live in a simulation because every Chargers game is the same. Like it'll be a four point game late and someone off the ball and like it. There's just never any margin. These games are all the same, so I don't mind taking the points here, especially with short week and there's almost no home field, as you said. Seahawks defense, it was bad. Like don't get me wrong, but. I've been watching them pretty close these last few weeks. They are starting to improve. You know, Woolen, obviously, at cornerback, is playing really well. I mean, he's going to be a problem uh, if he's not already. And then uh, they're starting to make some schematic changes as well. Like, they're playing less base defense. Uh, they're taking Barton out some and, you know, getting getting a little more athletic on uh, at the coverage spots. And just, uh, you know, I, I've seen some things I like. Because this defense was, you know, a couple weeks ago, this defense was dead, like, bottom three in the league in DVOA and now it's up to 22nd and, you know, watching the defense, uh, I see some of that improvement. So, uh, you know, I just, I just need them not to be a, you know, bottom three defense, which I, I don't think they are anymore. I think they're getting, they're making modest improvements. So hopefully that, uh, that keeps up. By the way, like three, the first couple of years of this podcast, I used to yell that JC Jackson was a fraud and not good. And then I had a completely 180. And then rate him really highly because his results just were insane. But whenever I watched him like early on, I was like, he's getting so lucky. And Belichick obviously did something with him. And then in that scheme where it just worked, because I always thought he was the most, he was like kind of like a, a digs early on. 
and he would get like picks and he was aggressive, but I was like, man, this guy's holes in his game, but he was all his results. You couldn't argue with them. And I was like, all right, this guy's an elite corner. He leaves new England. <laughs> he gets benched. This happens a lot with these new England defensive backs. Once they leave town. All right. For my third pick of the week, seven Sunday, six pack, we got a disagreement. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share my pick in a second. Rayvon likes the other side. And what we're going to do here is I'll make my case. Rayvon will make his case. You can decide who you want to back. All you have to do is then go on, leave a five-star review on the Action Network podcast. Just leave a five-star review and then just say who you're backing. You can either say Stuck or Rayvon or the team that I'm backing or the team that is backing. Well, if you pick the right side, our producer will pick a winner and we'll send you like a bunch of gear. We'll send you a free pro subscription. So make it a little fun. And then obviously five-star reviews always help the podcast. So, you know, we never want to make a case for a bet we don't like. And this is the fifth pick it was my final bet and Raybon's final bet. And this is what we're going with. So for my third pick and the fifth overall, the Sunday six pack, I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars minus three at home against the New York Giants. Before Raybon tells you about the Daniel Jones road trends and uh, <laughs> how well Dable's been doing. Uh, look, we, Nick Giffen, Sean Kerner, they have these luck ratings and they're, they're a really good tool. Check them out on actionwork.com. Giants, obviously number one in luck on those metrics this year. Let's go through what they've done. And I was high on the team coming in, but the, it's, it's gone too far. And they're, you know, their defense has been bad. Martindale has done some good things, but they, I mean, they're 30th in DVOA. This is just a perfect buy low, sell high spot. Like Giants off a miraculous win. Uh, I mean, like they got out, they were down double digits again in the fourth quarter. They were rocking seven to 3.9 yards per play. That's like uh, as big of a gap as you'll see in the NFL. I think they were out gained 410 to 230. Had no business winning that game. A couple fluke Ravens turnovers late and they end up winning. But let's look at what they've done. They beat the Titans by one. They lost at home to Cooper Rush. I mean, that's, you should get two losses for that. They beat the Panthers at home by three. They were tied in the fourth where they had 250-plus-yard field goals. That looks a lot worse. They beat the Bears at home by eight. And then they beat the Packers in London, which, again, keeps looking worse and worse. They trailed 20 to 10 in the fourth. They were down 17 nothing in that game. They outscored the Packers 14 nothing. Well, then they took a safety in the fourth quarter. And then last week, they beat the Ravens at home by four. They trailed 20 to 10 again in the fourth, got some fluke turnovers, were completely dominated statistically. So they have five one-possession wins on the year over the Bears, Panthers, Titans, Packers, and Ravens. They were tied or trailed in the fourth quarter in all five. And the fourth quarter, they're outscoring teams 45 to 10 if you remove the intentional safety they took. So I, just getting every break is going their way late in games. Daniel Jones also hasn't thrown his picks yet, even though he's thrown a bunch of turnover-worthy throws under pressure. And here's what the Jags are going to do. The Jags run D, I love this year, and they are sixth in success rate against the run. They can shut down this Giants rushing attack. What's it going to be from there? It's going to be Jones under pressure. He's under pressure on 46% of his dropbacks. I think it's the third highest in the NFL. He hasn't thrown his picks yet. He only has, he has two touchdowns and no interceptions, um, but they're coming. And then on the other side, Jacksonville, I mean, this is – this is the time to buy them. They're coming off three straight losses. They lost by eight in Philly in a monsoon, which they lost the turnover battle five, nothing. They lost at home to the Texans, despite one of the most, the biggest discrepancy box scores that you'll see. I think they outgained it by 250 yards. And then last week they have a last second loss against Indianapolis 
a brutal loss. Trevor Lawrence became the first quarterback in NFL history to lose a game with 20-plus pass attempts, a 90%-plus completion percentage, three-plus touchdowns, and no interceptions. 103 years of football has never happened. The quarterback plays that well and they lose. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is the time to buy the Jags. This Giants team is feisty. They're well coached. But teams are starting to get some film on what the Giants want to do with their run game, with Daniel Jones. Got to give a lot of credit to Dable. But last week, I mean, they, what did they average? 2.7 yards per carry. And the Ravens are not a great run defense. And uh, so, yeah, I think the Jags will be ready here after three straight losses. Giants have been arguably the luckiest team in the NFL. I think the luck runs out here. I'm taking the Jags minus three. So for my third and final pick of the Sunday six-pack, the sixth overall, I'm going with the New York Giants plus three at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And obviously the Giants have been lucky, but the point is you're trying to get a team getting points here. Like we're going to fade the Giants at some point, but why not fade them when they're actually a favorite instead of against the Jags team that, listen, point taken about the Colts and what they did last week, but – I don't think you realize – I don't think people realize – You were on the Jags last look, week. So, yeah, what, you know, now, now we camp at the Jags? Listen, I look, like I'm the Jags. I'm trying to convince my people. That's all. <laughs> the Jags against the Colts this year. I think the Jaguars playing the Colts has distorted their view, their perception in the market, and it's actually creating value on the Giants, even though I do agree. The Giants have been lucky. Absolutely. They shouldn't be 5-1. and one. I agree, but that doesn't matter for this game. All that matters is who has the upper hand. And here's why I like the Giants in this game. And I think that the the Colts playing the Colts twice has kind of really warped everything because the Giants are a team. We know what they're going to do on defense under Wink Martindale. They play man coverage at the third highest rate in the league. They're going to bring a lot of pressure uh, as well, but Jacksonville Jaguars against man coverage 30th in yards per attempt at 4.9 and 31st in yards for completion at 7.5. Now, why is this significant? Because when you look at the Jaguars and what they when they've had success, it's been almost all against zone. The Jag people are playing zone against the Jaguars at the second highest rate in the league. And why is that? Because they played the Colts twice. The Colts play zone more than pretty much any team in the league. I don't, they didn't play a single snap uh, of man coverage last game against the Jaguars. So this is going to be a complete shock to the system. And we're looking at, you know, the Jaguars season long numbers and yeah, they look good, but they played this cold zone defense that they just match up perfectly with. And they haven't played any of the type of defenses really that they match up poorly with. They also played Houston. What does Houston do? Plays all zone, well, pretty much all zone. Philadelphia, we know they love to play zone. It's it's like across the board, we see this Jags team outside of Washington, who we kind of like head scratching, like how did Jacksonville lose to Washington? Well, Washington actually plays man coverage. Not that they play it well, but they play it. So Trevor Lawrence in two games against the Colts has gone 45 of 52. 
He's, he's incompleted seven passes in 52 attempts against the Colts. Against everyone else, he's 88 of 151. It, it, you know, it's it's normal, you know, kind of below average, inefficient Trevor Lawrence. He, even with those two games against the Colts and completing 45, 52 passes, he's still under seven yards in attempt. Uh, I, so I think that the Giants coaching in this matchup and their scheme is actually going to make all of the difference because – this Jags offense to me is very overrated. And you you look at their receivers and the only guy that's really been good uh, against man coverage, well, two, Jamal Agnew in a very small sample, but he's injured. And then Zay Jones, but the Giants can, they can usually take away one receiver. Christian Kirk has not been good uh, against man coverage at all. This Jags team against the Texans, they scored six points. Now they should have had more points. You say, yeah, they got unlucky there. But it's also because they're just not that great on offense. They're just not there yet, and they struggle against certain coverages. And this Giants team is going to be able to do something that I think they just haven't seen up until this point uh, with this volume. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. If you if you take what I said and you want to play the under because of it, you don't feel comfortable with the Giants, be my guest. But uh, you know, I think the Giants get it done here this is the exact kind of team you want to keep taking points with. Now, if they were like a, a three-point favorite, if it was reversed, or like, let's say, you know, maybe they win more convincingly in one of these games and like, you know, it's Giants, uh, you know, it's a pick or something. That's a little different. But we're getting a field goal here. Uh, you know, do do we really think Jacksonville is going to beat them by more than a field goal when they struggle against the exact kind of scheme that the Giants run on defense? I don't personally think so. Uh, and, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Daniel Jones is 12-4, and four as a road underdog against the spread, uh, including a perfect 10 and 0 against the spread when the number is seven and a half or less. I don't even really think that applies, but this giant scheme is going to make all the difference against this Jags offense. I actually disagree because of the coverages. If you dig a little deeper, yeah, the yards per play against man hasn't been great, but the biggest defense that they've struggled with all year, and this is what the Texans ran the entire game when they held them the six points and this is what Lawrence really struggled with in his first ever game, is cover two. They, and the Giants run zero cover two. They run man and then some cover three. Trevor Lawrence against cover two this year, 50% on target rate. Against all their defense, 82%. So he is in this bucket of quarterbacks that is struggling with the too high safety cover two defense, and the Giants run none of it. All right, we will. We shall. Uh, we shall see. Leave a review, five star review, and just put yes. who you're about who you're siding with. Now it's going to end three. <laughs> yeah, I know we'll both lose. That that would be just just swimming. Let's see. who do we get? So who do we got a quarterback this week? Let's see. We got uh, some Joe Burrow, some Geno Smith, some Heineke, maybe Brett Rippin, Trevor yes. Lawrence, and Daniel Jones. <laughs> back to it's our just back Joe Burrow to our roots. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Stucky has Cincinnati minus six, Denver minus one, and the Jags minus three. I have Washington plus five and a half, Seattle plus six and a half, and the New York Giants plus three. That is going to do it for the week seven Sunday six-pack presented by FanDuel. Now it is time for the Coach's Pep Talk. There's not one of you, not one of you that's learned how to win. This week's Coach's Pep Talk is an actual Coach's Pep Talk. It comes to us from college football coach P.J. Fleck. Uh, who are you dedicating it to, Stuck? Fleck sometimes reminds me of Dan Campbell. The speech just kind of sounds like Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's coming off of a bye here. We'll talk about this game later. 
it's time to start blazing some trails again and get back to your covering ways off two straight non-covers. Fire the boys up. Get out there. Bite some kneecaps and blaze some trails, Mr. Campbell. You know what they haven't met about you? They haven't met your heart. They haven't met your spirit. They haven't met your soul. If they gave me one word to describe you right now, man, that would be a trailblazer. You know what trailblazers do? They blaze trails for other people to become elite. You have blazed trails for others who thought this was never possible. All right. Let's jump into our favorite total of the week. All right. Uh, you started us off with six packs. So I'll go with my total first. And my favorite total for week number seven is the Jets, Broncos, under 38 and a half. Denver, we know what this team does, and it's play defense. Uh, they're allowing just 16 and a half points per game, but they're averaging just 15.2. So combined total, just under 32 points. Uh, so you got about a touchdown, a cushion, just based on their previous sample size. Uh, and then, you know, as you mentioned, this Jets offense, Zach Wilson's kryptonite is still going to be pressure. And, you know, even without Randy Gregory, this Broncos team is still going to be able to get pressure. Uh, you know, Browning's playing well. You know, they still got Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. So Zach Wilson's passer rating goes to three. Three when under pressure. It's 111 when he's clean. It's three under pressure. So this is going to be an ugly game from this Jets offense. And I think this Jets defense is finally starting to improve and, you know, leverage some of that t- talent that they got. You know, they are in the top five in pressure rate and they're blitzing at a bottom five rate. So they, they're able to rush for and get home. Quinn and Williams is playing really well. And, you know, the corners on the outside are playing well in, in Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. So, you know, the Broncos, their skilled players, at, at least at receiver, are pretty good. But now you have these two Jets corners that are, uh, you know, excellent. So I don't think that's going to be uh, a lot of offense for Denver doing that. And, uh, yeah, you know, we've seen what happens if, you know, Russell Wilson's under pressure. It's it's not going to be pretty. And Rippin, it's the same deal. We don't have a large sample on him. But uh, in 2020, he did play some, had a 98 rating when clean, what you usually expect. Uh, and his passer rating dropped to 27 when under pressure. So I think this is going to be an ugly game that, you know, it's, it's in Denver. So I, I don't expect the Jets to have much offensive success. And, yeah, they, they did score what? They had a bunch of special teams plays that led to points for them uh, last week. And it was still a 27-10 game, 37 total points against the Packers. And this Denver offense is not even as good as the Packers uh, offense right now. So uh, give me the under 38 and a half for Jets Broncos. Ugly, ugly game I'm expecting. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bucks Panthers under 40 and a half. Uh, there's something wrong with the Bucks offense right now. Number one, they can't run the ball. The offensive line isn't playing well. There's just not a lot of continuity. You know, Brady missed a lot of time in camp, and then he's, like, going to craft parties on Friday <laughs> nights and flying by himself, and the receivers have been in and out. There's just no rhythm to this offense. I mean, they couldn't score against the Steelers' practice squad last week. Pretty embarrassing. Uh, the Panthers' defense has been slightly above average overall, and they'll compete. And Tampa's defense is still a top-10 unit. And then you have the Panthers' offense, which is the worst in the league. And, you know, if you look at – EPA per play, but uh, Panthers are 32nd by far, worst offense in the league. And they even downgraded a quarterback, a Baker Mayfield to PJ Walker is a downgrade. 
And the Bucs are 17th BPA per play. This is not a great offense right now. Divisional game, outdoors. Um, I know it's a low total with Brady. I think this is the lowest in his career outside of Buffalo with wind. Panthers do have some cornerback injuries, but based on what Wilk said today, it does look like they will all play, which is good news because their defense was competing against the Rams last week, and then all their corners – you know, you, are, you already had uh, J.C. Horn out, and then Dante Jackson got hurt, and then you had a you know, fourth and fifth string corners in there, and then the Rams offense started moving it. But it looks like all their corners are at least trending in the right direction this week, which is good. And – the Panthers' offense, like all it is, is McCaffrey. Mm, that's not good news against the Bucs. The Bucs have a great run D, and they're the best in the league at covering backs once again. And there's a reason McCaffrey in seven starts against the Bucs has done absolutely nothing. 50 rush yards per game at a three and a half yards per carry clip and 37 reception yards per game. Right around 85 yards per game against the Bucs. His career average in non-Bucs games is around 130. So they they match up well with running backs, whether it's running the ball or catching the ball. And if you could take away McCaffrey from this Panthers offense, it's uh, pretty scary. So, yeah, uh, this is like mm, 20. I, I lean bucks, too. I just can't trust them right now, and I can't lay this big of a number. But this feels like, like let's call it 24-10, 27-10 at the most. I wouldn't be shocked if the Panthers get shut out, honestly. Yeah, don't mind my... the Panthers. Pan- don't mind the Panthers win t- the uh, team total under. This reminds me of like the Falcons game, Angry Bucks against divisional opponent. Now the Falcons, they're, all their secondary got hurt, but you know, and the Falcons' offense is a lot better than the Panthers, and you know that was twenty-one nothing at the half. I could see a similar thing. Yeah, the Christian McCaffrey last week had eighty-nine of the hundred and nineteen passing yards. For the Carolina Panthers. Now, the Bucks defense is number two in DVOA against running backs. But get this schedule adjusted. Every year they're number one or two. Schedule adjusted receiving yards per game. So the league average for running back uh yards allowed or running back yards in the passing game is 35 and a half per game. The Bucks allow schedule adjusted 12.3. <laughs> that is number one in the league. By by far, full seven point two yards uh, per football outsiders over the number two team, uh, which is the New Orleans Saints. So, like this, yeah, it's a nightmare matchup for McCaffrey on paper, and as you mentioned, it, it's it's played out like that in you know in reality as well. And we have a a similar opponent to look back on in terms of the receiving usage, and that Saints team. McCaffrey, they, he played him in week three, four targets, two catches, seven yards. So, you know, he, he's getting 89 of the 119 passing yards. They're not going to have an answer uh, if he's getting seven yards. He did run for 100 yards in that game against New Orleans. Uh, the total ended up at 36. So either way, yeah, I like it. All right. Uh, so that's going to wrap it for our favorite total. Stuck is going Panthers, Bucks under 40 and a half. I'm going Broncos, Jets under 38 and a half. Now it's time for our favorite teaser of the week. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. Uh, Stucky has a lot of great content uh, on teasers. He just dropped some 
some new content as well. So be sure to check it out. Just uh, just Google Stucky Teasers. Uh, he talks about which key numbers you want to get through and all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, where are you going? Yeah, ideally you want to tease through three and seven uh, underdog up from, you know, around two to three through three, seven and uh, favorite that's, you know, around a touchdown down below a touchdown and a field goal. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm going to tease this, the Dolphins on Sunday night down from seven and a half to one and a half to it back. Steelers defense, a lot of injuries. This is not a rah-rah spot. Man, we make the simple complex in this business, don't we? Yeah. Likely see Mitch Trubisky, who I think is a significant downgrade from Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kenny Pickett's been great against the Blitz, too, which matters against the Dolphins, but I, I doubt you see him here. You'll probably see Trubisky. Steelers are still a really bad football team. Um, Dolphins, big-time bounce-back spot here. Uh, love them and love this matchup for their offense. And so I'll tease them down, and then we're going to tease the Colts up. This Titans team, if I can get three, I'm taking the Colts. The, the Colts almost made my six-pack. I mean, the Colts are closed minus four at home a couple weeks ago against the Titans. Now they're catching two and a half. This Titans team, yes, they're coming off a bye. Let me get my weekly Titan slander in. They had a bye <laughs> last week. I have people who follow me, they're, they're, they change their names to – Titans own Stucky. Yeah, they, for two weeks they did, but I would take them any time. Like that Washington game, Washington got dominated by the Commanders. Did you see the Commanders against the Bears? Do, how do you get dominated by the Commanders? Titans, by the way, yeah, they're good on their scripted portion of the plays. Remember I said Arizona averages one and a half points per their first three drive? Titans are at 12 and a half. <laughs> That's by far number one in the NFL. After the first quarter, they are dead last in EPA per play. They do nothing on offense after the first quarter, just like what happened in the first matchup with the Colts. But now word is out on what they're trying to do in the scripted portion. You saw Washington shut it down. The Colts have already seen it. The Titans are also scoring touchdowns on 92% of their red zone trips. 92. That is not sustainable at all. There is major regression coming in that department. Uh, the, by the way, the Titans defense also stinks. They're 30th in EPA per play. Um yeah, I mean, but think about this. After the first quarter, the Titans offense has been worse than the Panthers this season. And, uh, you know, Vrabel is great off the bye. I'll give him credit. And he's, you know, he's great as an underdog, but you want to fade him as a favorite. Vrabel's 4-0 against the spread and straight up off of a bye, covering by 14 points per game. But Frank Wright, great on the road. 17-6 and six against the spread. Number one in the NFL among all head coaches since he's been hired. And, uh, yeah, I think this is – there's value on the Colts here, but, like, it's two and a half. So, like – it doesn't really matter to to one. Like I may get a coin flip. If I get three, I'll take it. But happily tease this up in a lower scoring game, and uh, not that much of an adjustment for home field advantage in divisional game. Colts do have injury questions as well. I'll tease them up over eight. Take the Colts plus eight and a half, and I will take uh, the Dolphins minus one. And uh, Colts are going to win that game. By the way, for my teaser, I'm going to go with the. I'm going to tease the Saints up. Uh, to eight and a half, and the let's go with the Raiders. Actually, let's go with the Raiders down to a point. Uh, over the Texans here, you know, both teams coming off a bye. Uh, I think the Raiders are the better team, and uh, I think they, you know, they talk about a team that needs to get right and has been unlucky. I mean, the Raiders yeah. are, near, you know, near the top of it. I think they also match up well. Uh, in this spot, you know, Houston, they're going to play a ton of zone. They don't get a ton of pressure, and they don't. Uh, they don't blitz very much. So, um, you know, I think Devontae Adams is going to be able to eat here. They've been weak against perimeter receivers. And I think Josh Jacobs is going to eat because they've been weak uh, against the run. So uh, I think the Raiders can can put up some points here. 
And uh, yeah, I think they win this game. Uh, maybe maybe it's a seven point game. Maybe it's, I wouldn't lay the, the full seven, but uh, I don't mind the point. So stuck, you have the Colts up to eight and a half from two and a half, and the Dolphins down from seven to one as a favorite. Uh, I have the Raiders down from seven to one as a favorite, and the Saints up from two and a half to eight and a half as an underdog against the Cardinals. Let's now jump into our week number seven. Moneyline underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline parlay. All right, man, I got to give you major props because I believe you hit five of six this year, like Moneyline dogs. So that is that is just outrageous. As a podcast, we've hit three of our six parlays. That's ridiculous. Is, I mean, yeah. And I, if this is what we do, though. I feel like every year we're like, oh. None like, of them not, none of them have been blots either. We were really close on the other three that didn't hit. So let's keep it going. Where are you going for week number seven? Yeah, I'm going to go, again, high, I look for decent match, like matchups that I like, and then high-variance dogs and in high-variance games for a number of reasons. So I'm going to go with the Lions, Detroit Lions here against the Dallas Cowboys. Why do I think this is high variance? Obviously, bringing Dak back in over Cooper Rush has been miserable uh, all year. I mean, the Cowboys are scoring 10 fewer points than they were scoring last year. Um, they've gone from like 28 to 8, 17, 18. But it's Dak Prescott's first game back. And if you recall last year against Denver, in his first game back, he was horrific at home. He finished 19 of 39 for 230 yards, was inaccurate, looked uncomfortable. That could happen here. It happens in your first game back. So we'll see. So I think that the uncertainty of what Dak will look like in his first game back creates some variance here. Also, Cowboys coming off a brutal stretch. Like they've been all, they were in New York, short week, they go back to Dallas, then they fly out West. They, you know, play an emotional game in Philly, come back home. Meanwhile, Detroit's been, had a bye week and they really needed the bye. Like they were as banged up as any team in the league. So they will be a lot healthier here. And look, their defense stinks. So you got to hope that Dak's a little off. But their offensive line is at least good. And you need that to have a shot against this Dallas defensive front. You saw even when Lane Johnson went out against Philly, it, it changed the entire game. The Lions have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. That's just a ma- massive against Dallas. So uh, there's some matchup things, the situation off the bye with Dak just coming back. Uh, let's let's roll with uh, Detroit here. Yeah, and Amon Ross St. Brown, I mean, being healthy, because I don't know how healthy he was in that Patriots game. I know he was out there, but first time in, what, like 15 games, you see him essentially be a non-factor. So uh, I think yeah. having him back will be uh, big. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, would you uh, – What do you, how do you feel about the the, the plus seven? Like, what if, if it got to seven and a half, maybe? Yeah, if it got to seven and a half, I would, I would take it. Um, you know, it's just hard to know what Dak's going to look like. But he's not going to look like way bad. I mean, I guess he could, but there's the, the downside risk is supportive of a Detroit play. So yeah, I'll probably add the Lions if it gets to seven. I'm assuming that the public is going to be on Dallas. With you know, the Lions haven't looked good the last couple of weeks after their bye. Before their bye, they didn't cover. They got blown out by New England. They you know they lost to, at home to Seattle. Dak coming back for Dallas with this defense like Michael Parsons. Like I, the public's probably going to support Dallas here. So, yeah, if you can get seven and a half, I don't mind Detroit. But because of the variance here, because I do think they match up well. Like, I think they'll be able to move the ball because their offensive line 
We'll give Goff time. Goff indoors, right? He's not going to be a pumpkin. Um, so there's a lot of things working for Detroit, who really needed that buy. Like, they have so many injuries on defense and offense. So, yeah, I, I don't mind Detroit at all here, especially if you can get uh, seven and a half. Yeah, I like it. I like that they're coming off the buy. This is that time of year where we're starting to see, uh, at least I have seen some of these defenses that are like we were start improving a little, making some schematic changes and things like that. And some of the younger players are getting a little better. You know, I think we're seeing that with the Seahawks. I think we're seeing it with the Jets. Uh, you know, so maybe the lines are next. Yeah. I am going with my money line, Doug. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go all in and, and we're gonna go with the 49ers here. We're gonna bet on the Chiefs uh to go back to back losses. Jimmy G is a dog. Kyle Shanahan, since he's been coaching the 49ers, uh as a money line home dog, he's won uh seven of the 15. So almost Almost half he's won straight up. Five out of the last seven times, the 49ers have been an underdog at home. They've put out the outright upset. So uh, I think the 49ers, you know, listen, just because they lay an egg against the Falcons, a lot of injuries, obviously, uh, you know, this is still one of the, I think, one of the better teams in football. Uh, Just hoping we get uh, enough guys back, you know, maybe one or two, maybe we get some Bosa or something like that. Uh, But I think the public is going to be pretty down on on San Francisco. Nobody's nobody's really nobody wants to touch them after that loss to the Falcons, especially not against the Chiefs. But you know, I think you know Chiefs came coming still coming off, even though they didn't win, it's still coming off like a an emotional game. Now they're going on a road uh, to this Niners team that solid all around. I mean, you know, they can exploit the Chiefs' defense, uh, which is 28th in DVOA. You know, you still got Debo, you still got Ayuk, you still got Kittle, uh, you still you know you still been running pretty effectively uh, even without Trent Williams and then on the other side of the ball still a pretty talented defense even with half the starters gone uh and you know the Chiefs aren't the Falcons like it actually might play into the 49ers hands a little bit that the you know the Chiefs aren't going to just run the ball 50 times like the Falcons will so give me the San Francisco 49ers at plus 132 yeah I don't I don't mind it we'll see if Kansas is a couple inches I mean, the 49ers defensive injuries are and both of their tackles are questionable, but they had eight defensive starters. They could potentially be without this week. I don't think they will, but Kinlaw's on IR, Shair's on IR, Mosley's on IR, both wards in the secondary questionable, Hufunga's in concussion protocol, Bose is questionable, Armstead is questionable, like holy moly. But uh, yeah, I think if you're getting three more with a variance too, with, all right, are some going to play? The Casey's run defense has been better. I have to give them credit for that. They're 13th DVOA. They're 28th against the pass, though. But they're giving up pressure. So you just hope that some of these defenders play. So, but yeah, they've been great in the spot. Jimmy G, 16-4 against the spread as an underdog. The most profitable cornerback as an underdog over the past 20 years. And I, I also like the 49ers if you can get over three, too. That's what I'm waiting yeah, for. Ma- Mahomes, uh, 27-30-1 against the spread as more than a field goal favorite. So, yeah, I, I think the, the spot here screams uh san francisco yeah it's just these underdogs this year man these underdogs and and it looks like sharp money's on the under in this game which is interesting so uh, yeah i I can't see that but i I assume that like with the defensive injuries san francisco's a snail man like and they're gonna have like a game plan to slow the game up and they just play so yeah methodically like and then just and it's not like kansas city is getting these huge chunk plays yeah, I would lean over because I think both – it depends on how many guys are out for the – when San Francisco's defense is healthy, they're right there with the Broncos. Like, mm-hmm. it's no surprise that Broncos game ended 11-10. There might just be long drives that, like, if there's just a turnover in the red zone or a couple field goals, your under's dead, just like we saw at the Bills-Chiefs last week. Like, yeah, that was dead in the first quarter because you had two long drives that 
ended in no points. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's actually crazy too that the Falcons Niners game stayed under because wasn't that like was it twenty one fourteen at the or twenty something? It was a lot of there was like twenty eight points in, in in the first half. Yeah, the Forty ers last six drives ended in uh, four of them ended in Atlanta territory. They scored zero points on all of them. Yeah, so looking for some regression to the mean there. Take it from the Titans, give it to me, give it to the 49ers, man. Uh, so for the money line dog parlay, you got Detroit plus 250, San Francisco plus 132. Uh, parlay them together, it's about a just over a 7x payout. So 100 hours gets you back 812, $1,000 gets you back a little over eight dimes. Now it's time for games that we haven't covered yet in any other segment, but are still, as they say, meaningful to some. That's going to be a touchdown, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. Hi, Stuck. We got only uh, only one game here. It's, I don't know. I think you're on a two-game losing streak betting the Ravens, I know. man. What's going on? I warned you about the Giants, man. I know I know you're going to say they're just lucky, but that's the kind of point. Defying every every. I, I would I would play that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I, the Ravens have three losses to the Giants, Bills, and Dolphins, they've trailed for a total of 120 seconds in those games. 120 seconds. People are like, oh, well, the Ravens just, that's what they do. They blow leads. It's just, no, there's freaky stuff that happens. And it's it's football. There's there. It's like, I'm as high on the Ravens as I, I was higher on the Ravens after that game. They, they got upgraded. The Giants got downgraded. You know, you just hope that the regression in late games is over with. And then you actually get it going forward. But it's still one of the most, the best coach team in the NFL. Now, what I will say is Bateman, Rashad Bateman has become extremely important with Bateman on the field this year. 7.9 yards per drop back, 0.28 EPA per drop back. You know, that's the Chiefs offense, 0.28 EPA per drop back. It's right at the Chiefs, just, just below the Bills. Without Bateman, 5.4 yards per drop back, negative 0.08 EPA per drop back. That's the Washington offense. So it's obviously, you know, there's a lot of noise in there and opponents, but, but it's, it's noticeable. So we'll see if he plays. He was limited today. All kinds of injuries in this game. Like the whole, the entire Browns team is on, like the, uh, didn't practice today. This line's probably about right. Um, Browns are a mess. They just don't, they, their defense is a mess. Brissett is turned it back into Brissett. Um, Ravens will load the box here, just like they kind of did against the Giants. Ravens should win the game. Um, but a lot of injury, a lot of important injuries to monitor. Like even Lamar Jackson was limited today. I'm sure he'll be fine, but especially on the Brown side, but this line's about right. Should be around six or seven, depending on injury swings. I don't have much here. Keep an eye on the action app to see if I play anything based on uh, some news the rest of the week, but th- this line looks pretty fair. I can't believe you didn't mention my favorite stat or, I mean, it, I, you, I think uh, got me alerted to it, but Kevin Stefanski is two and 11 against the spread in the division. <laughs> like that is, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Things are going sideways quick and, in Cleveland, that was an embarrassing loss last week. Cleveland just one of those teams. It's like, and there are a lot of teams like that in the NFL, especially this time of year when we don't, you know, everyone hasn't completely formed their identity yet. But it's just like Cleveland could. It feels like they could squeak out a win against anyone, but they could also lose to like anyone, and I mean anyone. Like Cleveland could, Cleveland could like give up twenty five points to the Bears and lose, you know, and then and then turn around and like beat the Chiefs twenty three twenty or something. It's just it's the odd team. We'll talk some Survivor real quick. Uh, last week, Rams got the job done. So if you're in Survivor, hopefully you're close to winning by now. I mean, this is a gauntlet of a year. I think a lot of people just got caught up early and got knocked out. 
Uh, this week, uh, let's, let me hear what you think about this one. I mean, New England, you know, looking at their schedule, I don't really see, you know, the Jets are a little feistier than I'd like. So I'm not like, you know, that that week 11 home game coming off the bye against the Jets is, is tempting, but I don't know. It's not the same. It doesn't look as good as it looked before the season started. And outside of that, you got the Jets on the road. You got the Colts. You got the Vikings, the Bills. Uh, Cardinals uh, in Arizona. So, I mean, that I guess you could use them there. Uh, Vegas, Cincinnati, Miami, Buffalo. So, I mean, this is really the only time I would consider using the Patriots uh, outside of maybe that home game against the Jets. So, uh, what do you think? I like it. That's yeah. what I was going to go with as well. When you're still alive, I'm not. So, let's roll with it. Do it. All right. That is going to wrap it up for the Week 7 Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. If you want to follow Stucky on Twitter, you can at Stucky2. I'm at Chris Raybon, and we're at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our fantasy betting content. Until next time, let's get this money. Go ahead.